Today on Lockdown Red Wings, they exchange Kyle Chris Kulo of the Grand Rapids Griffins for Jasper Weatherby of the San Jose Barracuda and how that impacts Jacob Verana's ice time. Also, Matt Boldy got a big extension with the Minnesota Wild, how that could impact Cider and Raymond, and then previewing the Golden Knights. Locked on Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers. And today, Scotty, we are talking about, we are literally texting each other. Man, what, what should we talk about in today's episodes? Besides, obviously, the uh, game preview. And then right as it happened, a trade came across. Not like a groundbreaking trade, but we were like, hey. This is league altering. That'll league altering trade. That'll make our lives a little bit easier. But before we get into that, I got to tell you guys today, this episode is sponsored by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline. BetOnline. Where the game starts. So the Detroit Red Wings exchanged Kyle Crisculo for Jasper Weatherby of the San Jose Barracuda. Uh, Kyle Crisculo is worthy A for the Grand Rapids Griffins. He's 30 years old, five foot nine, 174 pounds. We got to see him for six games last season as the injuries mounted and the season kind of fizzled out. Uh, in 28 games so far this season with the Grand Rapids Griffins, he has five goals, five assists, 10 points total. Jasper Weatherby is 24 years old. He plays center and left wing, six foot four. 223 pounds and was taken in the fourth round in the 2018 overall pickup. Uh, he has 50 NHL games played last year with the uh, San Jose Sharks, 11 points and five goals, six assists spent the rest of the season with the grant. Uh, I kept wanting to say grand Rapids Griffins, San Jose Barracudas, the for all 39 games so far with the San Jose Barracudas has six points in those um, games. This isn't like a, groundbreaking trade. You're getting a much younger, a much bigger guy who's ceiling as JD young, put it in a DM with him as a fourth line guy, which is fine. I mean, in the end, like, okay, you get a guy who could eat a uh, NHL minutes if you need be, but this is, this is an AHL trade, right? Scotty. Yeah. It's a, it's a, I mean, you, you're getting a, a, you're getting rid of an older player for a younger, larger body. Like that, that's, uh, a, a trade that most people would make on a service level for depth. I think the the biggest thing with this trade is probably the veterans rule in the AHL. And that's something that a lot of people have cited for why Verana has been scratched down in the AHL, like on several occasions. And that's why, you know, all the people got worried and are like, oh, this is like, you know, it's over. Like he's not going to play. Like he's not even playing down there. And people kept talking about this AHL rule where you only have five veterans. There's a certain amount of professional games, like 321, I think. Um, And yeah, this trade is swapping someone who is above that threshold for someone who is below that threshold. So I think that that's probably the, the, uh, dare I say, biggest reason for this trade? I mean, yes, we got someone 
younger and larger, and that's great. That's 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 a fine deal in my eyes, just on on a surface level. But uh, and any trade that can kind of thin out the veterans on that team so that Verona can presumably get more playing time, I think is is probably another factor as well. Yeah, and the uh, Red Wings, I'm sorry, not the Red Wings, but the Grand Rapids Griffins also in a separate trade did acquire Patrick McGrath from the San Jose Barracuda for future considerations, nine points in 137 career games. But that was an AHL trade. Well, this is technically an NHL trade because both Kyle Crisculo and Jasper Weatherby are assigned to NHL contracts. So that's why that one didn't get reported on by the Red Wings. That one was a Griffins trade. So it doesn't impact, has nearly as much of an impact as this Jasper Weatherby. But it's a nice trade from the, the perspective that, okay, Jasper Weatherby is a much younger guy. He's a much bigger guy. And he, you call him up and he can have a better impact than Kyle Kiskulo would. And then obviously, like you just said, Scotty, that this gets a veterans rule guy out of the way. It's something of above 200 some games. I can't ex- remember the exact number. I think it's 300. Yeah. 300? Some, yeah. I think it's like 320-ish. Yeah. If a guy has more than 300-ish games played at the AHL level, you can only have so many of those guys in your lineup on any given night. So you're not like stacking your AHL lineup with veterans. And so by getting rid of Chris Kulo, like you said, this just means Verana doesn't have to be scratched night in and night out. He right. Chris Kulo had been scratched too. Like yeah. that was the thing. Like they just had like once Verana cleared and went down there, it's also excluding goalies. So Ned won't fall into this tree if he's eligible, but um, yeah, like that, like Chris Kulo had been scratched down in, in Grand Rapids at times as well for the, you know, citing the same rule. So, um, and, and yeah, I, I think that that's, that's, again, I don't want to say that it's like the biggest reason per se, but, uh, I, I think that they were probably shopping players that fell into that category in the AHL to not have to healthy scratch one of the veterans every single night. Well, and it does kind of take a little bit of a load off my mind too, when we talked about, I talked about the other day how he had been scratched for two back-to-back games and how that began to make me feel nervous. I was like, man, I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. I get that this is a veteran's rule and someone has to be, but the fact that it keeps being Vrana and the fact that they make this trade to free up that spot. So now that Vrana doesn't have to be scratched every night makes me feel a little bit better that, okay, it wasn't necessarily so much about Vrana. It could have been, they, we don't know that. But it, yeah, it also, I also I don't know off the top of my head. I mean, I, I have no clue how many players still fall under that rule. If it was exactly six and now it's five on the on the Grand Rapids roster, or if there's still, uh, uh, if there's still over five, I have no clue. So I, I it's not a it's a presumed correlation. It's not exactly a guaranteed correlation for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. I mean, as far as impact goes, we have a guy who could potentially eat minutes at the NHL level on the fourth line. That's cool. Um, I'm just trying, I'm scratching my head trying to figure out why the Barracuda and why the Sharks would accept this trade unless it's kind of like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we'll do you a favor later. Because this feels like the Red Wings get everything out of this trade, really. In just regards to the fact that they get the younger player, they get the bigger player, they have the player with that still has an upside, not a huge upside, but an upside, and they free up a roster spot for Jacob Rana to get minutes consistently every single night. Whereas you could say the Barracuda just get a leader guy, like he's a leadership guy. He's worn, he's been a type of captain, either alternate or captain at the college and the AHL level when he's played, but you know, he doesn't put up phenomenal points. I mean, better than 
Weatherby has to this point, but he's not going to never be more than an AHL guy. He's always been an AHL guy to this point. He has, I think just 15 games at the NHL level where Weatherby has had 50 already. So I, I'm, I, I do wonder about that. So I wonder if it's kind of like a do me a favor type thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's going to take a, a bigger man than me to, to answer that one for sure. There's not um, many men bigger than you. Uh, well, fair, very fair. Uh, but I, I really don't know. Um, I, th- that's a great point. Honestly, I was only really thinking about it for, from our perspective. I, I don't even really know what the game plan really is for San Jose, but maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe it's a, you know, help, help me down the line with something else type of a scenario. Um, but I don't know. I'm just going to think about the wings, I guess. For right. now, cause I, I really, yeah, I really don't know. Yeah. I, I'm not sure either, but we'll take the trade, not a groundbreaking trade, but it could be mean good things for Jacob Verana, but sure. that, I mean, that's as far as the breakdown goes guys. Again, not yeah, very impactful. So we'll get to a quick break. We'll come back. And we'll talk about more Sider and Lucas Raymond and how the Matthew Boldy extension uh, impacts them. So, but first, got to talk to you guys today about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this year with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional amateur league out there, from college basketball to the NBA. You got the pro football playoffs happening right now as they lead up towards the big game. And you know what? Even the National Hockey League. Yeah, I said it. Even hockey. Uh, they got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment two, Locked on Red Wings podcast. Scotty, let's talk about Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond. I made a tweet today talking about all the money coming off the books for the Detroit Red Wings this offseason. If you were not to re-sign anybody, and that's not going to happen, but if you were not to re-sign Anybody, the Red Wings would open up 31-ish million dollars in cap space. Now, obviously, there are RFAs like Matt Luff, Gustav Lindstrom, Joe Valeno, who are going to get contracts, but their payday pay raises aren't going to be that big and that impactful because the Red Wings still have negotiating rights. Now, Jake Wallman, I would assume they re-signed because he's been playing great. Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi. I, I still expect Dylan Larkin to get re-signed. Tyler Bertuzzi is way more up in the air and limbo right now than was, we would have said, in the offseason. Pretty much any point pre, like, two weeks ago, honestly, I would say, yeah. Yeah, but let's say you sign one of those two guys and all of your RFAs. You're still going to be playing with probably around $25 million, 20 to $25 million in free agency. You got to start looking at, locking up Moritz Sider and Lucas Raymond here soon, right? Because those two guys, it's becoming a trend in the NHL. We saw it with Tim Stutzla in the offseason. And we just saw it with Matthew Boldy, who in his a year and a half, not even he didn't even play a full season last year in the NHL. And he's played half a season in the NHL this year. Already signed to a seven by seven million dollar contract. This is becoming the trend that young players are getting signed to huge contracts early on in their career because later on Years down the line, if your gamble pays off and this player is a stud, a superstar, they're on a bargain deal of a contract because you signed them early before they really blossomed. So the question becomes, Scotty, if you're Steve Eiserman, are you looking at maybe 
this offseason being more important to extending Raymond and Sider than it is to extending Larkin and someone like Bertuzzi? Um, well, you know, I mean, comparing those two duos is definitely a conversation. I, I, I do like the versatility that they have this upcoming offseason for the reasons you just pointed out, because even if they don't necessarily um, bring – what am I trying to say? I, like there I are know. so many, <laughs> there are so many avenues that they can that they can go down with all of those impending free agents. They can bring back some of them. They can bring back all of them. They can bring back none of them. Like there, there's there's so many different combinations of who to bring back and who not to bring back, and how much money you can have, et cetera. Which is which is exciting for sure. Um, when it comes to those four guys and, and and comparing you know the importance per se I guess I I don't I don't know if it's any more or less important I mean you're talking at the end of the day you're still talking about locking up two players long term that are gonna play for this team next season regardless even if you don't lock them up long term versus two dudes that if you don't get a contract on are playing for different organizations and living in different states. So like I, I don't know if it's necessarily more important per se like that. I feel like Bird and, and Larkin is much more life changing type of like on a personal level uh, than it would be uh, the other way than it is to the other two the younger guys. But I I think for the Red Wings, you know, I, I mean it's hard for me to say that that they're again more important like higher priorities for the Wings either because again. If, if you don't get a long-term deal done with Cider and Raymond, then you're like just paying them less. And I, I you know, you want to lock them off long-term for sure. Um, but if you don't lock up the other two to an extension of any sort, then you, you just don't get them ever again. So like, I have a hard time thinking that it's quote unquote more important, um, but it, it's definitely something that I think is, looming and knocking on the door a lot more than maybe people realize three, four, six months ago. Yeah. I I think that in my opinion, you should do this immediately. I think that this should be number one priority over extending Dylan Larkin, who's a pending UFA because the way you're looking at it, these guys have higher ceilings than Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin is at best a point per game player. And don't get me wrong. He should be a priority too. You want to re-sign Dylan Larkin as well and extend Dylan Larkin. But right now, you got to lock these guys up while it's cheap. You got to lock these guys up while you can get them on a steal of a contract. Matthew Boldy right now, he didn't play, like I said, the full NHL season. He was averaging 0.83 points per game. Lucas Raymond was averaging 0.7 points per game because I just, you got to average that out because he didn't play the whole NHL season, Boldy. So he's rating... he's raking points at a higher clip than Lucas Raymond did, but Lucas Raymond had a huge impact on this team last year. And I'm only comparing those two guys first because they're both forwards, but you think Lucas Raymond is going to be a core piece of your team. But if he's not putting up as many points as Boldy is, then you could maybe even get him on an even cheaper contract for as long. Now the difference is, is Lucas Raymond is actually having a better second season than Matthew Boldy is. Boldy's only got 29 points in 43 games played while Lucas Raymond has 30 they're keeping pace with one another. I mean, in my opinion, Scotty, if you think you've got a budding star in both these guys, Moritz Sider especially, who had 50 points last year, won the Calder, is on pace for 40 points, a little bit step-down production-wise as he tries to 
transition into a more important role. I mean, this is, to me, this is a no brainer. You got to lock these guys up now before their entry level contract runs out. And yeah, you're still going to, you're still going to have, um, you're still going to have that negotiating rights because they'll be RFAs, but they're going to be demanding more money if they continue to improve and have better seasons. Get them now when it's cheap. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I I definitely think that they are they are priorities. Absolutely. I think that, um, I mean, if you're if you are, Cider should definitely be someone that you just want to lock up right away. Like you when when you look at your yes we have good defensive prospects coming none of them profile or expect to be nearly as prolific as Moret Sider going out and, and getting a free agent of Sider's future presumed caliber is going to cost you a lot of money and like you said earlier the reason why you do this is because you quote unquote overpay at the beginning so that you can underpay at the end and that is the, the, the entire nature of these type of deals. So yeah, and, and like you said earlier, like they, they have so much money that they could get off the books if they wanted to this upcoming off season that, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to do three of the four of them like pretty easily and quickly. Like, yeah. I, I you know what I mean? Like if you really wanted to do like, Raymond Sider and then Larkin like I I mean I, I don't know why that wouldn't be pretty pretty easy to do at this point and you have enough flexibility down the road where that would be very feasible um I think the real question is when you start having the conversation of is oh. it possible or smart to do all four of those oh no in one off season and I think that that's where it gets a little a little tight. I don't think that would be smart. And I think Steve Eisman recognizes that. I'm beginning, if I'm being honest, and we'll have this conversation as we get closer to the trade deadline, but I'm beginning to have, I'm not even beginning to. I'm, I'm, I think that Bertuzzi is probably going to be gone because I Steve Eisman recognizes that in the long-term plan, it doesn't make sense to have both those guys on expensive contracts when you will have to sign guys like Sider and Raymond down the line, even if you don't do it this offseason. I think three of those guys is feasible, if you can get them on good contracts, which is probably why we haven't heard anything on Larkin because Larkin, you know, and admittedly, I can't blame him. He's probably trying, and this is speculation on my part, but he's probably trying to, you know, get a payday. Well, and yeah. so that's probably why it's been taking so long because Steve Eisenman is going, okay, but you know, we need to sign these guys. So if I pay you this, that's less money for your teammates down the road. And we don't want to lose that. I, I also think that's all we, speculation on my part, but that's for sure. For I, think sure. I also think that, we will have a much clearer picture of well th this is kind of like captain obviously but like we will have a much better picture of the not only the the personnel obviously on this team like if burke gets traded he's not getting extended obviously but we'll also have a better uh kind of understanding of the financial situation for this team going into the offseason after the trade deadline as well because there's a few guys that, and again, we'll have this conversation as we get closer to the deadline, but there's a few guys on this team that you could very much justify trading and getting their salary off the books, and not all of them are, are rentals. Like There's some dudes whose yeah. contract go past this year that, that you could very much justify trading at this deadline as well, and that, that would only, again, free up even more money than we're already talking about. So, um, yeah, I, I think that, that 
I, I think that you're going to start seeing the like extension talks for a lot of dudes heat up post trade deadline, because then I, I think everybody's going to have a much clearer picture of how much money this team is going to spend this upcoming off season. Can you believe that Philip Kronick is still going to be an RFA at the end of the I next know. season? It's wild, it feels like he's been on the team forever. Um, no, I, I agree. And the other problem too is like, okay, 32, if $32 million comes off the books, you can't just spend that all on two players and you'll need to fill your roster. And I mean, you look and you look at guys coming up, you think that Edvinson or you not think, but you hope Edvinson, you hope Johansson and you hope Wallander, especially Johansson and Edvinson, but maybe not Wallander. He might need another year, but you hope maybe those three guys can take the jump. And so when guys like Mata, Osterle and Haig, their contracts are up. Okay, now you have three rookies ready to take that leap. Now that's being very optimistic on their development. Um, but you know, you have young guys who are near NHL ready that are could take the place of guys making several million and be much cheaper options, giving you more room to work with and have to spend less on free agency. But you have to also remember that I highly doubt David Pasternak is going to hit the free agent market. I would be shocked if the Bruins let him walk away with how talented he is. But, you know, you also want to make an impact on the free agent market to try and take this team not, uh, again up to the next level. And so if you spend it all on re-signing your own guys, especially if it's just two of them, then you have no money to bring in a true ringer, which we are in agreement this team right. needs. So while I do think that Raymond and Sider should be, and, you know, Larkin is in there as well, should be huge priorities, you also got to look at where that, what you're going to do with that money in terms of who you're going to bring in if possible, because, you know, if you're losing Bertuzzi, if you're losing Suter, you're losing Sunquist, and you're losing Adam Ernie, Villano is an RFA. You'll resign him. Same with Gus Lindstrom and Matt Luff, Matt, um, you know, and you're losing Halberg and Adelkovich. Now you have to bring in a goalie as well. You got to bring in guys. So while it's nice to have all that money and you want to throw that money at your good players, you also have to keep some of it to bring in guys right. to keep your depth good. So, <laughs> You know, that was what this offseason was all about. Perron, Sherratt, and, uh, oh, my God, Dominic Kubelik. Sorry, thank you. Um, You're welcome. Those, those guys. <laughs> a word, but I was like, <laughs> like I don't know. We brought were, in a few dudes, man. Like, well, <laughs> They were meant to be your of. depth pieces so you could carry that over. But, you know, Perron's on two years. Kubelik's on two years. Mata's on one year. Pissick's on one year. I mean, these guys aren't going to last that long. They're still in the end kind of band-aids besides cop and Sherat. So we're gonna have to do this whole dance again in the offseason. But I, in my opinion, again, just to wrap it up so we can get to our ad break and get to the game preview, I think Cider and Raymond should be priorities very quickly so that down the line, when you are cap crunched, you have a little bit more breathing room. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I mean, like I said, I I I agree with you. I just think that it it will probably be post deadline. Oh, yeah, I agree. I think so. Um, got to talk to you guys today about built bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, Ew. but don't all want that. Don't all want all the fat and the calories. Then you got to try built bar. We just got through the holidays and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier, but don't want to compromise taste, then man, I got the thing, the, the thing for you got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your new year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. They're only 130 calories with 4 grams of sugar and 17, 17 grams of protein. 
That's a lot of protein. I don't know if you guys know that, but that's a lot a of lot. protein. And you don't need to wait around for your box to come to you in the mail. For years, we've been talking about ordering at Built.com. But now, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club. You can pick them up at Walmart. You pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you go to Sam's Club, you can get a 13-bar box, buying in bulk. You save more that way. Uh, with Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter, Churro, you'll thank us later. Go to Built.com, go to Walmart, go to Sam's Club. You won't regret it. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty, late night game. What is it, 1030? Something ridiculous it's like 10, that. 10, yeah. 10. Uh, they'll be playing first in the Pacific Division, Vegas Golden Knights. You're on a three-game losing streak. We felt bad last night. We felt real bad after that game against the Coyotes, <sighs> but we have regrouped. I have regrouped. I don't know if you're, where you're at. Um, I haven't regrouped in about eight years. It sounds like you should talk to a professional about that, not me. I do, uh, every Friday, yep. Good on, good on you, man. <laughs> Going to therapy's dope, but where am I sure? <laughs> oh, hey, that's, that's good timing. The Golden Knights are a very good hockey team. Go figure. They have been for a while, and they continue to be, despite what we thought was presumed goalie troubles. You trade away Marc-Andre Fleury, and he is a Vesna winner. You trade him away. Yeah. Robin Leonard gets double hip surgery, files for bankruptcy because of he invested in an exotic snake farm has nothing to do with the Vegas Golden Knights, but I needed to throw that nugget in there because it's very bizarre. It he is. files for bankruptcy of the maximum, what, $50 million because of an exotic snake farm? A lot. That yeah. the, the, the owner of the exotic snake farm got murdered by his wife or girlfriend, and so he stopped paying payments on the exotic snake farm because the guy was dead? Another collection agency wants the money? It is an insane story. You guys got to look it up. But Robin Leonard, double hip surgery, not playing. The important point here. Right. Your face that you're making is the face I made when I was reading this article <laughs> on him filing for bankruptcy. A lot of that is news to me. Yeah. Um, their goaltending tandem this year has been Logan Thompson, who's been phenomenal for them. A 913 save yeah, percentage. Thompson's Granted, really the team in front of him has been very good as well. Um, Aiden Hill, a guy who the San Jose Sharks when they traded them to the Vegas Golden Knights, we're like, wow, this guy's the guy you're trading for, Aiden Hill. 909 save percentage, right around league average. He's been solid as a backup. So their goaltending's been fine, which was the biggest question mark. I thought they'd slide back because of that, but no, first in Pacific Division, 28-15-2, and, and they're getting offense from all over. They don't have a single guy who's a point per game, but they have a lot of guys right. who are providing scoring. It's all over the place. Chandler Stevenson, 40 points in 45 games played. Mark Stone, 38 and 43. Jack Eichel, 33 Mark and 32. Stone. So I lied. He is over a point per game. He's just played less games. Uh, William Carlson, 30 for 45. I mean, it goes down from there. Golden Knights, man. Good freaking hockey team. Red Wings down bad right now. Maybe they'll actually show up for a full 60 minutes for once. I guess yeah, that's a tall that. order. Um, <laughs> the other thing that is kind of fascinating about this Knights team is to the wings credit and this is something that I I think we talked about it before we went on air and not while we were recording but um the, to the wings credit they have not been a team that has uh that has gotten penalized very often and like that was like obviously not single-handedly going to win you games etc I mean clearly 
Uh, but it, it was it's something that last night's game was one of the only times this year that I can really remember going like, oh my goodness, stay out of the penalty box. Um, and and the Wings are in the top three in the NHL and le- fewest amount of pims a game as a team. The Knights are first. They're the <laughs> least penalized team in the entire NHL, and it's like by a comfortable margin. Like, like the the Wings are third with seven, like just under seven and a half pims a game. The Knights are first with six and a half pims a game. So like they they are they are pretty comfortably at the top there. Um, so it's just like when it rains, it pours. Even the thing that like the Wings are good at now, they're even playing a team that. That is better than them in that regard. But, yeah, I mean, this is a, a, a team that's in – they're not necessarily, like, in the top, like, three or five in the NHL in, you know, any category, but they're in the top half of the league across the board in pretty much every single team statistic, and uh, that's why they're better than you. Yeah, I mean, their power play, I think, is ninth in the league. Their penalty kill is middle of the pack, 16th, but be, like you said, they take so few penalties, it's not like – they need to utilize it that often. Yeah. Um, the one weird thing that stood out to me is their Corsi four percentage, their team Corsi four percentage at even strength is 20th. So actually in the bottom third of the league in that regard. Um, but I imagine their power play is making up for a lot of that. So five percenter. I mean, they're 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 first in the Pacific Division. So it doesn't really matter that their Corsi four percentage is a hair under 50%. They're still winning the bulk majority of their games and Pacific division. I mean, it, it's top heavy. There are some good teams. You know, I know Calgary's stumbled a little bit after they've had a huge, um, their, their core basically walked away and they're trying to implement a new core and Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Huberdo. And so I know they've stumbled a little bit here this season. And I know, uh, but you still got the Edmonton Oilers, obviously, and they're a good team. The Seattle Kraken have been insane this year. And the LA Kings are there as well. I know it's a top-heavy division, and they're still number one. So despite the Corsi stuff, they're still number one. So can't discount the you can't discount the Vegas Golden Knights, man. It's going to be another tough game. And when it comes to on the road, West Coast road trip, yeah, it's the <laughs> third game. I think it's the final game of it. And Derek Lalonde said, like, hey, if you come out with as many points as you did games, it's a successful road trip. And he's like, we got night, we have an opportunity to get three points on this road trip by winning against the Vegas golden Knights. And that's a tall order. It's the second tallest order on the road trip next to beating the Colorado avalanche. Yeah. So, I mean, you're going to have who's so bad back in that presumably that'll help, but um, he's yeah. been struggling though. It's been tough. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, but I, I still am every day of the week and twice on Sunday, taking him ahead of, of any other goalie in the organization right now. So. All right. I mean, yeah, yeah, the team's not playing well, well right now. So, not great, not great, Bob. No. Uh, that about does it. Betting odds: six goals over under. What do you take? I'm just gonna keep taking the over. Being smart, I'll join you this time. I won't fight you. I've watched our defense far too often, and the offense hasn't really been the problem lately. So. Normally, when I take the under, it's because I think the other team's goalie is gonna stand up huge. I mean, if we t- well, we would that extra goal from the shootout, like the one that gets tacked on, even though it doesn't get credited, would that have counted towards the over under? I because think so. In soccer, I think it technically it's a four three final. So I okay, so. so it would have. I guess in he's... soccer, it doesn't, <laughs> but I think in hockey, it does. Gotcha. So because I know in soccer does didn't because I bet on France to win and they did, and 
I didn't get any money. So I was <laughs> that's kind of funny. I was not happy. Oh no, no, what happened was I bet on them outright and because it ended in a shootout, the game technically ended technically in a draw. A tie and then parentheses one. Yeah. 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 I didn't get my money. Even though I picked the right team to win. Well, did you? Yeah. Should have picked a draw, dude. I don't know. Grow up. Vegas Golden Knights are minus one sixty favorites at home. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You taking the dogs on this one, one forty four. No, I'm taking the Knights. Thanks for making us your first listen every day, Scotty. Very important, and you know the reason why. Give uh, any final thoughts. We ball. We ball. The important part's coming up here real soon. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, same time. Bye, baby. To your team every day.